Well, usually in this time of the service, we say we'll dismiss the children for children's church, but we're not going to do that today. Uh, for some time now, on the, uh, you may or may not have known this, on the, fourth, on the fifth Sunday of a month, and that happens about four times a year, we intentionally ask our kids to stay in the service for the sermon. The reason we do that is to keep them remembering and keep us remembering that the whole point of children's church is not just to escape, but to be prepared. And so we're helping them to remember what it's like to sit through a sermon. Now, I want to begin by saying sometimes it's not easy to sit through a sermon. The secret for all of you children who are doing it today when you don't normally do it, I'll tell you a secret, and that is sometimes it's hard for your parents to sit through a sermon. Sometimes it's hard for me to sit through a sermon. Sometimes I struggle sitting through my own sermons. Not not entirely true. Um, uh, But I'm going to help you in a couple ways today. And first and foremost, I'm going to use a really old technique to help people pay attention. It's called bribery. <laughs> if you look inside the bulletin, you'll notice there is a, uh, a piece of paper that has an outline. Now that outline helps not only you, but also your parents understand some of the things we're talking about. And if they lose track and your parents lose track of what's happening, you can poke them and say, follow the outline, and they can get back on the sermon. But if you're a kid that's not normally here, and you can either fill out the missing words on that piece of paper, or draw a nice picture that you thought about during the sermon, come and show it to me afterwards, and I will give you a lollipop. (laughs) And after your parents give you permission, you can eat it. So... This is the first level of interest. Now, there's a bunch of really important reasons beyond lollipops that you would want to listen to this sermon today. We are moving through a sermon series uh, dealing with the topic of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We're moving towards Easter. When we get to Easter, we're hopeful that everyone in our congregation is going to be more excited than normal uh, to celebrate the resurrection because we've been thinking so long about how important it is. The message that we see this week is a message about the importance of the resurrection and the Holy Spirit. What uh, Peter tells us in his sermon is that the Holy Spirit was poured out on the church after Jesus was raised and exalted to heaven. So when we come together to church, the Holy Spirit is here with us. God is here with us. But it's also a very interesting passage because It's really the first Christian sermon, the first sermon after the resurrection, the first sermon in the power of the Holy Spirit, the first sermon that Peter preaches after Pentecost when the Spirit was poured out. But finally, this is an exciting passage for all of us because at the end of it, Peter says to the people around them, there are promises for you and for your children. So if you're here today and you could be considered children... Maybe you don't usually sit in this part of the service, or maybe if you do, you still call yourself a child. I want you to know today there are promises for you in this message. 
So uh, I'm going to read it. Uh, let me uh, summarize briefly and then we'll pick up part way through. I'm going to summarize the first six verses that tell us the background of when Peter preached his first sermon. Peter preached this sermon about 2,000 years ago in the city of Jerusalem, which was in Israel. The word Pentecost means a feast that happened 50 days after the Passover. So 50 days after the death and the resurrection of Jesus. Jesus had been raised from the dead and some of his followers had seen them. But now the people were gathered from all over the world in Jerusalem for a very special feast. The feast of Pentecost. And it was on this day that God did something remarkable. He poured out his Holy Spirit on the church. Now, in the Bible, the Holy Spirit had come to people before, but usually just a single person, like a king or a prophet or a priest. But something special happened here. The Holy Spirit was given to everyone, even the, even the kids as part of the promise. God's Holy Spirit can come into the life of children. Now, when God showed up and the Spirit showed up in this great way for the first time, extraordinary things happened. They were sort of unusual experiences that showed this new coming and power of the Holy Spirit. First of all, the text tells us there was a sound like a great rushing wind. That would have got people's attention. And then there were flames of fire on the head of the followers of some of, of, on the heads of Jesus' followers. And then they went outside. And I don't know if anyone outside saw the flames or, or heard the sound, but something really amazing happened. They began to speak. And when they spoke, the people from all over the world each heard them in their own language. That was amazing. And so people started to gather around. They said, what's going on here? This is amazing. And other people said, this is kind of weird. Maybe they've been drinking too much. Well, someone needed to say something. So Peter, who was always one of the leaders, stood up. And then he preached the first Christian sermon. So we'll read that together. It's a, a little bit of a long text. But it's worth seeing the sermon uh, together. Uh, Peter begins uh, his sermon... Leave that there for a moment. In, in verse 14. But Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them. Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words. For these people are not drunk, as you suppose, since it's only the third hour of the day. It was still the morning. But this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. And in the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my male servants and female servants, in those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below blood and fire and vapor and smoke and the sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the day of the Lord comes the great and magnificent day and it shall come to pass that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved men of Israel Peter said hear these words Jesus of Nazareth a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst 
as you yourselves know. This Jesus, delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. For David says concerning him, I saw the Lord always before me, for he is at my right hand, that I may not be shaken. Therefore my heart was glad and my tongue rejoiced. My flesh also will dwell in hope, for you did not abandon my soul to Hades or let your Holy One see corruption. You have made known to me the paths of life. You will make me full of gladness with your presence. Brothers, I say to you with confidence about the patriarch David, that he both died and was buried, and and his tomb is with us to this day. Being therefore a prophet, and knowing that God has sworn with an oath to him that he would set one of his descendants on his throne, he foresaw and spoke about the resurrection of Jesus, that he was not abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. This Jesus God raised up, Uh, And of that we are all witnesses, being therefore exalted at the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he poured out this that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. For David did not ascend into the heavens, but he himself says, the Lord says to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool. Let all the house of Israel know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ This is Jesus whom you crucified. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the disciples, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children And for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself, this is the word of the Lord. Well, as I said before, sometimes it can be hard to listen to a sermon. That was an abbreviation, actually, of what Peter was preaching that first day. But it's one that we can all learn from. And what I'd like to do is I'd like to go with you and think about Peter's sermon and think about what we can learn, not only from Peter, but about listening to sermons. We're going to do two things today. First of all, we'll try to understand the main point of Peter's sermons. So if you're new to listening to sermons, maybe because you're young or maybe because you just haven't been in church very much, one of the first things that we want to do is we want to understand what's the big point of the passage that we're reading. What's the main idea of this message that we're going to hear? So we'll look at uh, Peter's main idea and see how he develops it. But then we'll just take a few things with us. We have four things I'm going to point out quickly that we take with us to think about when we're listening to sermons. Well, as you uh, already heard, Peter was standing up to preach because people didn't know what was going on. There was a sound of a wind, there was flames on the heads, and there were people speaking in a language that was not, your, not their own. And everyone says, what's happening? So Peter stood up to tell them what was happening. And then if you look towards the end of this section, you'll see that Peter ends by saying, and that's what's happening. Look with me on the bottom of page 7 in verse 33. Peter says, in the end of that sentence, 
He has poured out this that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. In other words, Peter tells them, this is what's happening. And the main idea that he has in this sermon is that because Jesus was raised up and exalted, he poured out the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, to be always with his church. This is really good news, and it's a big deal. Like many preachers, we might see three points that Peter makes. We'll call them three steps in his sermons. You might notice, if you listen to sermons, that Sometimes preachers like to give a couple of points. They might do that in a typical sermon. And I think we see three things in Peter's sermon. First of all, the first step Peter makes is that Peter says God made a promise in the past. He reads from the prophet Joel. And he says years before Jesus was even born, God spoke through a prophet Joel and he promised a day when the Holy Spirit would be given in great measure. He called those days the beginning of the last days. And that spirit would be poured out not just on a king or a prophet or a priest, but it would be poured out on everyone, the young and the old, the people that didn't seem very important, the servants, as well as everyone else, the sons and the daughters. So if you're here today and you're young or old, a son or a daughter, then you know that the power of the Holy Spirit can be for you. Now, uh, the second thing we see in this prophecy is that Joel says, in that great day, anyone who calls on the name of the Lord can be saved. So if you're here and you're old enough to understand what I'm saying, then that means this promise is for you. That if you're able to call on the name of the Lord, the Lord Jesus then you can be saved from your sins and the power of the Holy Spirit can be for you. Well, that was the background promise. And then in verse 22, in his second step, Peter says, all of history changed when Jesus of Nazareth came and that's when God started to fulfill his promises. Verse 22, he says, men of Israel, hear these words, Jesus of Nazareth was a great prophet. Now, all of the people in Jerusalem knew that Jesus did powerful things, but they weren't all convinced that he was really the Son of God, that he was really the one who was going to make all of the promises come true. But God showed his power on Jesus. After Jesus was rejected, his own people abandoned him and turned him over to the Romans, the ones that Peter caused lawless men. Jesus was killed. They nailed his hands to a cross and he died. They took his body down and put it in a tomb. And everyone who knew him and loved him was so deeply sad. But Jesus didn't stay dead. He was raised up. Paul says God raised him up. And now you can know for for certain that God made him both Lord and Christ. In order to prove this point... Peter reads a second passage of scripture from the Old Testament, this time a psalm. This is from David, who was both a king and a prophet. And in this, he says in verse 25, I saw the Lord always before me, and God would not let the, the body of the Holy One see corruption. So Peter says, look, that's about Jesus too. Jesus is the Holy One. His body would not see corruption, but God raised him up. And then Peter Peter makes the third move in his sermon, his third point. 
He he ties these things together. He says, because Jesus is the Holy One who was raised up in power, and because he's been seated at the right hand of God, all of the things God promises through Joel are now starting to happen. If you were with us last week, we saw that in the Bible, the term last days refers generally to everything after Jesus. So when Joel says, in these last days, I will pour out my spirit, he's talking about what happens after Jesus is raised and seated up as the king. In other words, from Peter's perspective, these are the last days. The last 2,000 years are the last days in comparison to the former days before Jesus. Verse 33, being therefore exalted at the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured this out that you are hearing and seeing. Peter says, now because Jesus is raised from the dead and seated at the right hand of God in power, he is with us in the power of the Holy Spirit. I am giving the Spirit to you, uh, Jesus is saying, as he sits in power and authority. Now, how do you think people would respond to this message? They gave the greatest response any preacher could ever hope for. They believed it was true. In fact, they believed it was so true, it cut them to the heart because they knew we are people that need to be forgiven. Many of these people had perhaps been there calling for Jesus to be crucified. And they knew that God had made Jesus the special Savior, the Christ. So they cried out and they said, what must we do? Peter told them the response. Repent and be baptized. Now, baptism is a symbol of joining the church. It's a sign and seal of the covenant of grace. But it also shows us that we trust Jesus by faith and we're connected to him. There's so many things going on in this passage and we can't talk about all of them. But we'll simply summarize it this way. The response that God wants to the message of Jesus is one of turning away from our self-control, that's repentance, and trusting Jesus and looking to him in faith. Now, what do we learn from this? Just a couple of points we can take with us before we're done today. First of all, we learn as we look at this passage that when we come to church, we are coming into the presence of God. If you're someone looking to get a lollipop, I'll give you a hint. This could be something you want to fill in at this point. When we come to church, we are coming to be in the presence of God. Now, the Bible tells us that when God pours out the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is in your life. And you can understand that in a personal way. God can help you. He can help change you. Next week... Uh, Naman Cho is going to preach on the way God changes us by the spirit of the resurrected Lord Jesus, by the Holy Spirit. But the other way the Bible talks about the Holy Spirit being with us is being in and among God's people when they gather. This is shown to us as many places. In the Old Testament, when people wanted to come to be in the presence of God, they went to the temple. But in the New Testament, the Bible says, you are the temple of God. And Jesus said, when two or more are gathered in in my name, I am there among you. When we come to church, we are coming to be in the presence of God. Just turn to the front of your bulletin with me for a second, because uh, even the kids that go to children's church, you're here for this every week. Do you know the first thing we do when we come to church? 
we read the promises of God to each other, the promises of God that call us to be coming into his presence, the promise that he will be with us. And then the next thing we do is called a prayer of invocation. That prayer is, an, is a prayer where we ask God to make himself known to us. When we come into the presence of God, we want to know it. Friends, whether you're young or old, I hope that one of these lessons of Pentecost, one of these promises of Pentecost that you can hold on to is the promise that God will be with his people when they gather together. That's why you may notice right after I say a prayer and right before the sermon, I pray, I pause in my prayer. Have you noticed that before? You know what I'm doing? I'm giving you space to pray for God to work. And there will be times when you are here gathered as God's people and we will see God's presence with us. I'm not expecting to hear a great rushing noise of a wind like they did in this story. I'm not expecting to see flames on people's heads or to hear them speaking supernaturally in another language. Sometimes we do hear other languages that people speak. But God is present in the power of his spirit. And my hope is that all of us from young to old can come to church, can come even to the sermon with expectation that God will meet us and show himself to us. And sometimes that will happen. And you might be a young person or an old person saying, why is that grown man crying in front of you? Sometimes it's because God is showing up in a very special or intimate way. The second thing we want to take from this is that God speaks to us through the Bible. You might be thinking, uh, I come to the presence of God in church, wouldn't it be nice if God would say something that I could hear? We don't hear God speak with a booming voice from the heavens, and if he did, we would probably all be so afraid we wouldn't want to come to church. Book of Exodus, in case you're wondering on that reference. But the Bible says that God speaks through the words of the Bible. That that Holy Scripture, though it's written by a person, is actually guided by the Spirit of God so that when we read from the Bible, we are hearing the words of God. Now, that's what Peter believed. You'll notice that in this sermon, one of the reasons I wanted to read the whole thing, even though it was kind of long, is that at three places... Peter read from the Bible. He understood that if he was going to explain to people what God was doing and saying, he needed to read from the Bible to do it. Sometimes the Bible will speak of a a book of the Bible being written by a person, and other times it'll say of that very same thing, thus saith the Lord. So we know that when we hear the Bible read, it may be have a a human author, but God was working through it, and that is why every time after the end of the scripture reading, the whole congregation says, this is the word of the Lord, and you say, this is the word of the Lord. When we come together and hear God's word read, we're hearing God speak to us. Third, and I'll say this quickly, Jesus is the central message of the Bible. Did you notice that was the center, center theme for Peter? 
In all these points, Jesus, uh, Peter started in the Old Testament with the prophet Joel, and he looked at Psalms written by David, but in all of them he said, Jesus is the central purpose. Sometimes it's hard to listen to a sermon, or it's hard to understand a passage. But whether you're someone who's speaking about the Bible or just listening to the Bible, the, one of the first things you want to do is you want to ask the question, how does Jesus relate to it? His death and his resurrection are the central things that God is doing. So when we come to church and we're listening to a sermon, we first of all want to know, is it coming from the Bible? And secondly, we want to say, is Jesus centrally related to this? Sometimes it's easy. The text talks about Jesus. Maybe it's a story or a New Testament author that uses the name Jesus. Sometimes it's a passage that just shows us how much people need a Savior or shows us how faithful God is to care for his people. Whenever you come and listen to a sermon, you can do the work on your own. Whether you're young or old, whether you're familiar or new, you can ask, how is this coming from the Bible And how is Jesus made central in what's going on here? Fourth and finally, and this is important for all of us, but I am thinking particularly of our young people. God calls for a response from you. Do you notice that the people in this story responded to the sermon? They didn't just sit there and take it all in. They may have taken notes, and they they didn't just sit around and think, well, that was interesting. What an interesting point that Peter made. What an interesting way. He connected Joel and Psalm uh, 110 and Psalm 16, all related to Jesus of Nazareth. Wasn't that interesting? And it was very interesting, but it was much more. Because the people who heard Peter's sermon knew they were part of the story. Now, this is where I'm thinking particularly of you kids. If you grow up and graduate from high school in a family that goes to church, it's possible that you would go to church almost every Sunday of your life. And by the time you graduate out of the uh, uh, children's church class, around eight years old, you'll have about ten years of listening to sermons. Five hundred sermons. If you go to the evening service, a thousand. If your parents make you listen to sermons in the car, 1,500. You're going to listen to a lot of sermons. And sometimes it's easy for people who listen to a lot of sermons to forget they're supposed to respond. They can begin to listen or look or daydream. And they can begin to forget that God wants them to be part of the story. At the end of this, Peter gives us such good words for our families and for all of us. He says, these promises are for you and for your children. But dear children, please hear me today when I tell you that the promise itself is not enough. God expects you to respond as you're able, as you grow in ways that are appropriate to your age. If you're real little, maybe the only response you can give is, thank you, God. And maybe you can learn to pray, Jesus loves me, this I know. Oh, God, please help my mom and dad when they need it. Those are beginning prayers that you can do. But God expects from all of us a response that's appropriate to our age. 
Do you notice how many things in this passage not only show us the amazing things God's doing, but it tells us how God expects us to respond. The prophet Joel says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Let me ask you today, are you a person who calls on the name of the Lord? Are you a person who prays to God? And if you're, uh, you know, in fourth grade, that is a question that you need to answer. Do you call on the name of the Lord? If you're 40 years old, that's a, that's a question that you need to answer. Are you a person who calls on the name of the Lord? If you are 84 years old, that's a question that you need to answer. It is possible someone could be 84 years old and they've been going to church their whole life, but they never realized they were supposed to respond to God. Will you call on him? A God who makes himself known. And finally, as we saw in this passage, the promise of the Holy Spirit is for you and for your children. People who call on the name of the Lord in faith. People who respond in repentance. Who, who move to, to the Lord in trusting Him. Baptism is a sign of that. Those people are promised the Holy Spirit. Let me ask you a, a final question. And this is again, whether you're 4, 40, or 84. Do you see God's Spirit working in your life? When you call on the name of the Lord, God promises to be around you, to be with you, and to be working, to be present when we come to church. You can, you can join with us in praying that God would make himself known in the, in the worship service. But even on your own, in school, in work, in your retirement, God promises to be present with the power of his Holy Spirit. We are not alone. And that's good news. So friends, my hope is that you would take these things with you. And if you are not one of the children who usually is in children's church, you probably have picked up at this point that I've been secretly talking to you all along also. Because I know if I just came right out and told you how to listen to a sermon, you might be put off by that. But the same things true for children are true for us. We are called to be active participants I want your prayers as I prepare to preach. I want you to hold my feet to the fire to make sure the message comes from the Bible that Jesus and the gospel are central. But more than anything else, my desire as a preacher is that you would be people who ask, what must we do in response? That you would seek to join with me in listening to this text and applying it to our lives, looking for God to work as we respond in repentance and faith. Friends, my prayer is that we would all be better at listening to sermons, that we would be engaged and active, and that we would come here to church with a sense of expectation, knowing that God is specially present with his people when they gather in his name, listening to his word, calling on him as prayer, and seeking to draw near to him. Let's close in prayer.